Welcome to Big Blend Radio with your hosts, Lisa and Nancy, editors of BigBlendMagazine.com. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Big Blend Radio's Books and Authors Show. You know, we love to do these shows where we chat with authors around the world about their works. And today we're excited because we have Gary Bourne joining us. He's one of the world's leading international arbitration advocates and authors. He's an international lawyer that, like, you know, just call him 1-800-GARY when something goes wrong when you're traveling around the world. I'm just kidding. But today he is joining us to talk about his debut novel, which is a riveting spy story, and it's called The File. It releases March 28, 2023 through History Books. So welcome to the show, Gary. How are you? Thanks so much, Lisa. I'm, I'm doing well, and thank you. Thank you also for that very flattering introduction. I'll be waiting for all of our listeners to be calling for legal advice. Yes, 1-800, that's it. Like, what did you do? <laughs> well, this is interesting because like, you know, your, your book goes into like Swiss bank accounts and everything, stuff that I grew up listening to. And now I'm like, oh, we rarely actually hear Swiss bank accounts like nowadays, right? I think there's all kinds of little offshore things going kind of, I mean, I heard, wasn't it, is it North or South Dakota that has offshore, not offshore banking, but they're doing yeah, there, some- There are a variety of U.S. states, I think South Dakota amongst others where you can through your corporate ownership and ownership of real estate and other things, um, not disclose your identity. And naturally there are, there are um, concerns about what that lets both domestic and also foreign foreign individuals and companies do. Oh, the file so this... though is about is about the more the more traditional historic yeah. with bank accounts. And the basic thesis is that in the last weeks, last months of the Second World War, the Nazi regime, the, the top leadership, believing that they might finally lose the war, took steps to collect and then hide billions of dollars of assets in numbered Swiss accounts so that if, in fact, the war was lost, they could come along subsequently and, and um, use, use that money. And the, the heroine in, in the file, Sarah West, um, happens upon those documents in um, the wreckage of a Nazi bomber that she chances upon in the African jungles of of uganda and the story takes off from from there yeah i love this and i don't want to give it away too much but i think this is so cool that she finds it in a bomber and she's a little badass too like you know you start the book and here she is sewing herself up like stitching herself up from a wound and i'm like okay because I, we're all tired us women are tired of women protagonists, and I hate the word protagonist, but the, the main characters, women characters in movies and in books, always tripping over a log with a high heel or something. We want to, uh, you know, we, we are not like dumb, you know, we're not unable to stitch ourselves up, carry a newsie and be able to run through the jungle. <laughs> you know, let's cue in Credence Clearwater anytime. But you know what I mean? It's like, we want that. And I think, for so many years, we've been portrayed as not being able to be like that, you know? No, absolutely. And that's, I think, one of the attractive features of Sarah. It's one of the things that, in fact, drew me to, to her. And she's just an ordinary uh, person. She's someone like like you or, or me or any one of the, the 
people listening to to this this podcast who gets thrust into extraordinary circumstances the 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 various um evil people who chase her in order to to get the documents she finds on that that crash nazi bomber in the the middle of the jungle expect her to be tripping over her high heels or at a minimum just getting lost in the jungle but as it turns out sarah had spent a good number of years traveling with her dad and through her university in jungles just like that all around the world and she proves a lot harder to pin down than the russian hit team the agents who are trying to catch her and and the documents in order to get at the money in those numbered swiss bank accounts and at some point she finally decides that she doesn't want to be hunted she wants in fact to hunt a little bit and turns the tables on the the folks pursuing her and if you look in the cover behind you you can see the bamboo spear that she uses to good effect against some of the some of the seasoned operatives everybody like that's a spear yeah that is <laughs> yeah. a spear started out as <laughs> a bamboo stock but it ended up with in her hands as a spear we call that a good ass a guy where i came from in south <laughs> africa that's gonna get you but you know this is interesting too when you talk about the bomber being down there are numerous places around the world even south america where these bombers are found are still being found so what led you to the bomber story like this down bomber i mean because it is kind of fascinating and some I, there's one that was turned into an airbnb or something i think oh, really I south that america one. So, yeah I mean, you're, you're absolutely right i mean when uh, sort of on, on one level when you think about the, the basic narrative of sarah west alone in the jungle in Africa finds a Nazi bomber that nobody else has found for for 70 years um, and on it there's this file of, of documents it might it might sound implausible if, if you say it fast but actually as as you rightly point out whether it's in the South Pacific whether it's in Indochina whether it's in Latin America these kinds of wrecks from from war have have been found with amazing regularity over over the years and naturally they have in them what's in them the idea that um, a secret mission carrying these kinds of documents would go down in remote areas of africa is not at all that implausible in in that context and that's exactly how the the, the story starts she stumbles on this cache of documents which which show whoever it is that has the documents how you get billions of dollars in in nazi assets in numbered swiss bank accounts also the names of the nazis leading spies in the united states which leads to another bad actor the deputy director of the cia trying to himself track her down to prevent his family's traitorous past from being exposed and the story is basically how she she flees from and eludes the the russian and the american uh, mercenaries essentially who are chasing her you see but this is always interesting i think the cia you using the cia in there um that is a really um it it's very topical it's something that a lot of us are always going how good or bad are the cia guys and and gals and as well as the fbi because there's turncoats in both both 
I'm, that's true. <laughs> it is that's true. exactly. I mean, when you yeah, if you read the headlines from just a couple of weeks ago and and look at look at the charges that have been leveled at, at some quite senior counterintelligence um, officers, officials in in um, in the United States, that it's not at all an implausible storyline. The basic the basic storyline in the file is that the deputy director of the CIA, the the um, the grandson of a, a leading American politician, the son of a leading American politician, um, has secrets to hide, and um, then basically on his own—not not really the CIA, but but on his own—puts together a team of operatives to 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 track down Sarah, and and he and the Russians are in competition to catch her first. See, but this, yeah, and tell everybody about the timeline of when this occurred. So the story begins, the, the, the first chapter of the book is actually out of chronological sequence. It's basically a snippet from, from her flight from the, the Russian and also the Americans that are, that are, that are chasing her through the, the jungle and, and she's, she's wounded, she sews herself up. The, the story really begins, though, in terms of chronology in the last week of, of World War II, when a Nazi bomber takes off from Berlin, the last functioning airport in, in the capital as, as American and, and Russian tanks close in on, on the city, on, on the airplane, is the, the, the Nazi officer who's been entrusted with these, these documents that would provide the key to, to untold riches that would enable a Fourth Reich to, to rise again. Um, and and Sarah stumbles on those after they've lain undiscovered for 70 years in the, the depths of the African jungle. I've actually been to those jungles, and trust me, an aircraft wreck could lie undiscovered for 70 years. Um, the the Ruinzori Mountains, where the, the initial um, chapters of the book are set, are among the most rugged and, and isolated parts of the world that, that you can imagine. And then the storyline, after she discovers it, is over the, the ensuing months, um, she's chased um, by, by both the, the traitorous deputy director of the CIA and the Russian KGB agent, former Russian KGB agent, who wants, wants the money for him himself. She's chased across Africa, across the Sahara Desert. This is so cool. <laughs> this is so cool. This is something that like when I grew up, these were kind of those stories. And I, I don't know if it's just because we lived in South Africa and I graduated high school there and everything, but it was always the KGB. It was always, you know, World War II Nazi spies in the KGB. And, and I don't understand, you know, what happened? Why they were always like these little fighting, in, not little, but like crazy fighting entities that, we're always after each other's stuff for some reason. There was always this thing, and I don't, I don't know what it is, but I, maybe it was just my my era of going to high school in that time frame. But you just don't hear as much about it now in these days. So that's what I think is also very special about your story is that you're getting you're taking people off to remote areas, and you're right, those jungles, and jungles are like that. Jungles know how to mulch. They know how to bury. <laughs> And they're like we're going in. We, that that is what we have good topsoil for. You know what I mean? We've got moisture. We're gonna do that. You know, and I'm sure there's snakes and all kinds. Of, you know, there's all kinds of things in jungles. But um, 
it can totally happen. And Africa did play some interesting place uh, things in regards to World War II. And the Russians did hide out in Africa too. Absolutely. Uh, during World Absolutely. War II. There was, I mean, even before that, there was just always this craziness, this wild streak that is not kind of taught to you in basic, you know, high school history. There's no, all these exactly. yeah. Now yeah. there's there's some other interesting twists on the, the story. At least I, I think they're interesting for, for readers. There's there's the relationship between the the principal protagonists um and and those who appear to be close to them. So Sarah has a, a relationship with um a young CIA agent who's who's the ex-CIA agent who's sent to to kill her by the, the evil deputy director. Um, and the two of them, Sarah and Jeb, that's his name, don't trust each other at all. They're thrown together in very, you know, unfortunate circumstances where he's sent to kill her and she tries to kill him. But notwithstanding that, they managed to strike up an increasingly um, warm relationship. I don't want to spoil things too much. Yeah, you can. I, mean, I was about to go. Warning! Warning! <laughs> Spoiler alert! But they they yeah, have yeah. a complex they have a complicated relationship, which is in a sense mirrored. Um, maybe contrasted with the relationship between the principal Russian villain and and his um, girlfriend, um, which on the surface appears to be very trusting. And I definitely don't want to do a spoiler alert now, <laughs> but it's it too is a complex relationship that that evolves over the course of the book. Okay, so now I have to dig into the legal side of things because I don't know what it is, but all lawyers that I know end up writing books. Um, we, we do a law se a series every fourth Wednesday and, and attorney Ward Hendricks, he's writing a book where he's bringing people down to like, you know, are you the devil? Or are you God? Like the whole kind of crazy, like he's just gone off. But I don't know what it is, but attorneys somehow end up writing novels and there's two things that come to me about this. One is about those relationships, about trust, about, okay, we, you know, you have to really watch each other's sides and understand how to present or not present, or, you know what I mean? There's like a, it's a game. It's a game of that chess. Is, and that's a very interesting observation. I hadn't thought about it, but I think that's exactly right. A lot of what lawyers do is, in a sense, relationships. They have a pretty carefully regulated relationship with their clients. They owe mm -hmm. duties of loyalty and trust to their clients. Their clients do, in many cases, trust them. But that is a fraught relationship because clients also mistrust their lawyers, just watch any TV show. Um, and at the and same all the time, lawyer jokes, you know. No, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and, and at the same time that you have that relationship, then you have the relationship with those on the other side, whether it's a transaction or a litigation, mm -hmm. a, a dispute of some sort, which is also regulated. It's, it's interesting. Lawyers, although one thinks about lawyers as sort of paper pushers and, and um, lost in footnotes or, or legal documentation, a lot of what they do is relationships. Yeah, it's really true. And, and understanding, like I, I, we just did the segment with Ward and I asked him a question that was totally politically correct. And he just sat there and he's like, 
And I'm like, come on. He goes, no, I have clients. I have a business. No, I'm not answering that. <laughs> like, come on, you're such a lawyer. But yeah. it's so funny, you know, because uh, we always, we do push as far, we go as far as we can on the envelope with him. And he does too. But then it's like, uh-uh, no, 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 you're not getting me. I try to sneak one in on him all the time and it doesn't work. And Nancy's even worse. But it's just, he's like, oh, why are you doing this to me? I don't know. It's fun. But the truth <laughs> is, it's about relationships, but also those attention to details and that's something I've learned too and so being you know because you've written I, I was looking at you you on Amazon everyone look up Gary Bourne on Amazon I mean you've got you, you should open a library just you know just for you know lawyers and and legal because it's intense like what you write intense like serious stuff right <laughs> well, I will not me, understand let, let me then, assure you the, the file is very serious it's more serious than my law books but Although the, the file is my first work of fiction, I have written a, a, a number of, of law books, so to speak. Yeah, um, that's what I'm saying. But the attention to detail, you can't, this is the thing about doing a spy story. You have to have those details in there, not overshow the details. So it's kind of like a court case in a way to me. In, in a lot of ways it is. Um, th there are both similarities. There are also contrasts. A court case, you really do have to pay enormous attention to, to detail and you never know which detail may ultimately prove to be the one that is is decisive or, or pivotal but you have to be right about the facts you have to be right about the law you have to you know look up the cases cite the cases properly um, cite the language of the statute properly and but writing a, a fiction work is similar in some ways very different in other ways it's different in that you actually can make stuff up. <laughs> yeah, <that's> <laughs> Indeed, yeah. you're required to, right? You, you, there is no, in a sense, there is no reality. Um, mine is a little different in the sense that it's based in historical and geographical truth, and you have to be honest about that. Um, you have to describe the jungle properly. You have to describe Swiss bank accounts properly, and, and, I, and I think I do that. Um, but then, then you have huge freedom. To, and it's, it's in, in fact, very daunting. It's challenging. You sit there with a blank piece of paper and you know this chapter is going to be about Sarah fleeing through the jungle. But what exactly does it mean to flee through the jungle chased by, you know, two dozen Russian mercenaries? Figuring out what that actually is, is a huge challenge. Um, but it's enormously exhilarating. So what led you to this story and deciding to go from, okay, all these legal books that like a person like me doesn't want to or know how to read <laughs> to, okay, here's something that we could all read and enjoy that turn of table. What led you to say, okay, I'm going to do a debut. I'm going to, I'm going to start writing novels, right? Cause I know this isn't going to be your first and last. Um, so what led you to that? And then this particular story. Yeah. So this one's definitely not going to be my last. I've got another one. Sweet underway. It's called The Priest, um, another short title. Um, um, but the way that I, I began the file, oddly, was hitchhiking in exactly the African jungle in which oh, the book starts out. I After after university, I, uh, a, a bit like you, spent some time in, in Africa and somehow ended up hiking through the, the, the mountains of, of Uganda in the, wow. the deepest rainforest that one can imagine. Nobody went there but yeah. the hunters. And as I did that, it a, a story like this occurred to me. You, when you look into the 
the recesses of the jungle like that, and you're so far from any kind of civilization that you can imagine. You just imagine, well, what if this happened or that happened? And I had the idea, it wasn't exactly this story, but I had the idea for a story that was a little bit like what the file ended up being. It germinated for 25, 30 years. <laughs> it sat there in the back of my mind and on a on a yellow notepad in a in a very summary uh, form. Being a lawyer, and I'm a lawyer who who does effectively court cases. I need to tell stories. I have to tell truthful stories as a lawyer, but but essentially, you tell a story to a tribunal, explain to them what happened and who was right and who was wrong, and what ought to what the consequences of that should be. And in a way, that's what you do as a fiction writer. Also, going back to what we discussed a, a moment ago, you you, you tell a story. Um, you you have more freedom in telling that story. But as, as as I told stories as a lawyer, I never forgot the one that that I'd started out in mind. Um, well, while hiking in the jungle, I think you're really right because that's what hits the heart of people. And so, if you court cases, you've got jurors. They're not going to care about all the little ding 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 finer things. you got the one, what, the nuts and bolts people, one out of 10, right? Two out of 10. Then the rest, it's going to be, I want the story. Yeah. And th that's what's going to sway somebody is, is that story going to resonate to be truthful, like you're saying, you know? And even, it, it even, really is. even with the nuts and bolts people, if, if you have, for example, a judge or an arbitration tribunal, deep down, they also care about the story. They, you know, they yeah. will pay attention to the nuts and bolts, but they'll do it in in the setting of a story. You need to be able to tell to tell a story, a narrative. Mm. I, I really believe in that. I mean, even just as you know, I, I used to do a lot of music as a, a vocalist and songwriter, and it was always a story. It wasn't about what rhymes. It was how could you portray this story, and then you could fix things. Yeah. You didn't have the story first, and it didn't matter if you weren't one hundred percent on remembering every lyric. And I hate it when you watch musicians just keep looking at their iPad for their lyrics. I'm like, tell the story. You can't tell the story by looking at your iPad. Stop it. <laughs> and when, and when yeah. you think about some of the great songs of our time, whether it's from Boulder to Birmingham or Whiskey Lullaby, yeah. they, they tell stories. So well, are you going to do a music playlist to this? Because it's already Creedence Clearwater. You've got to run through the jungle. Come on. You've got to have some, you've got to. I was like, as soon as you were talking, I was like, oh, we got to have that. Are you going to do like a music playlist for the book? I think it would be so I hadn't cool. thought about that. I think that's a brilliant idea. I will, oh. I will turn my mind to that next. I hope so. Because it would be so cool because you've got all this global music happening too. That's and then just kind of like idea. the tension. Now, what about <laughs> movies? Yeah, you, you so movies definitely in um, a, a movie's definitely a possibility. Um, I've been talking to some folks. You never know how things oh, develop. Cool. It's a it's a it's a big enterprise, but um, and I think there's there's definitely some filmable scenes in the file. Oh, this is very cool. This is very cool. So then you've got another one coming up. You said the priest. The priest. Ooh. Yeah, the priest is the priest is different. This one has a male protagonist. Um, He's a, a, a an Asian um, orphan, actually, who gets adopted in in Italy, and then bizarrely ends up in in China, um, sent there after a, a misspent youth as um, a priest, uh, a priest in in the Catholic Church, and it's about 
um, what happens to him there? And I don't want to go further at this stage. No, it's, no, but we got, yeah, but the, the, the little taste is good. Yeah, the little no, taste exactly. is good. So it seems that you're writing a lot from global perspectives. Is that something from your travels that you just, you, let me, because you're American, but now you're in London. So, um, yeah, Very it seems like you're, so. you're pretty global. Very oh, so, so, I, uh, I'm, I, I am definitely American, passports American and only American. Um, but at the same time, international, I grew up, I'm an army brat. I grew up on U.S. military okay. bases all over Europe, France, Germany, um, and then have spent my whole professional life here in London. I'm, I'm speaking with you today from, from, from London. Um, and, you know, most of my work has, has been either in, in Europe or Asia, Latin America. I do things in the U.S., of course. Um, my kids are in the U.S., um, professionally, I go to the U.S. Uh, uh, quite frequently, but I, but inevitably, I think like a lot of Americans, I have these days, I have a, a pretty international, pretty global lifestyle perspective. It's so cool. It has really changed. I remember just, you know, it, I think more people are traveling now in their youth further than before. It's I become, think that's right, yeah. And, I think it's become better and, and working and doing it. You know, we could do it now where we couldn't before. As no, much, that's 100%. You know? And I think all the, the, the sort of the, the very Zoom um, platform that lets us do this also lets us, as many people experienced during the, the pandemic, let us work remotely. And, and the remote place, it, it can be in North Carolina, where I think you are right at the moment, yeah. or, or it could be London. perhaps not North Korea, but it could be South Korea, right? <laughs> hey, I have a friend who went to North Korea, and that was a trip. That, oh my that, gosh. Would be a, that would be a third spy thriller, I think. <laughs> oh my gosh, the stories he told from that. It's kind of freaky what he went through. Yeah, I no, mean, there was no very... communication with him when he was there. Yeah. And it's like they lights off at that, like the whole, like you're in this, you're staying here. And when they say it's lights out, it's lights out. It's that's it. It's lights out. <laughs> oh man, that's some freaky stuff. But that would be a good spy story, like trying to yeah. get into North Korea and walking in that, like that tweener zone between South Korea and North Korea. Like, yeah, hello. Yeah, that, that's it. That's it. Yep. Uh, oh my gosh. No. Uh-uh. I don't know. I don't know. I'll go back to Africa though. I miss Africa for sure. It's an amazing continent. Yeah. Is, yeah. Have you and gone very- back? I've been back many times. Yeah, I spent a lot of time okay. in Sudan, a lot of time in in Ethiopia, oh, wow. sometime in Ghana, um, and, and and numerous other countries. Um, but in particular, Sudan and and South Sudan specifically. Oh wow, wow! Yeah. I'm I'm homesick for it. Like you know, once it gets in, they always say that once you get to Africa, and you get dirt under your fingernails. You never get it out of your system. You never do, and it's you know, I was like pretty much raised mostly there, and. You know, now it's like, now I'm like, oh, I've been in the States longer than I was in Africa. It's time to go. So I'm just saying, you know, it's kind of weird how it is, but we've got a global world. And I think that's the beauty of now. And and for readers, I think what's great about what you've got in your story is it, it attracts readers from different countries as well. You know yeah, what I, I mean? Would, I would hope so. Yeah. The book yeah. is, starts out in Africa. There's a lot that takes place also in other places, especially um, Switzerland, Italy and Switzerland. Yeah. Um, but um, I, I do think a little bit like Africa and for that matter, America being enormously diverse, the book is also pretty diverse. It, it has different locations, very different kinds of characters. Um, I, I, I love the know. cover. 
by the way, because the cover reminds me of old school like movies. You know, yeah, that, that was that my kind of publisher's movie. idea. I we That's tinkered cool. with it, but you can see the the down Nazi bomber half covered with vines in in the background. That's where and and Sarah obviously is front and center. That's where it's really vines yeah. Were, don't mess um, with Sarah. Yeah, and then, then she's got her bamboo it. spear there. That's after she's she's, she's going to get you. Done a Russian or two in their tents at night, and you can see the slash that we referred to mm -hmm. her, her sewing herself up in the beginning. Oh, just on no, because even that, I'm like, no, but you know, but I like that you incorporated her breathing. She's <laughs> got to take the breathe, you know, like breathe for pain, because I know that's what people do. You have to breathe it out, you know. Um, so it's it's. Mm -mm. I, I didn't like that part. I'm just saying. I mean, <laughs> yeah, you're not supposed were, to. I had but, so, exactly. Know. That's supposed to introduce you to to her, her personality. What she's faced with, exactly. Well, she's tenacious. That's cool. Yeah. You know. No, I have to say, I fell in love with her writing this book. Did <laughs> she talk to you while you were writing? Absolutely. She changed her mind. She oh. like I would have I would have ideas about what a chapter ought to do, and I you know this sounds this sounds strange, but you know she would resist i try to write her doing something and and it she would fight back i know it sounds That's odd for wild, me to say she fights back but it, there would just be times when it was almost like it was almost like there was a person saying i don't want to do this i want to do this well, other this thing. is weird so are you going to do like an audio version of this i hadn't thought about that um i, oh, I hope you talk do. to my i mean i can you know, I can certainly try. I have read, obviously, I've read it out loud to to friends, to colleagues, to whatnot. And, and but I mean, it, could you imagine, like, when if you did an audio version of this? Because I know, so for so a lot of people that are uh, blind, they love audiobooks, so they don't get to read. So there's yeah. a huge, and most people, people are that reading. Want to arrive to work and and yeah, drive the, the audible audience, audience is is massive. But what I was going to say is, like, if you were to do that and you have her part. Are you gonna want a, would you gauge the 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 vocalist by her voice that you hear? Like, isn't that weird? Like yeah, that's no. kind of interesting. It is like yeah. when you write, like you're gonna go, no, it needs to be this voice. This is what I heard. <laughs> that's kind of weird. Like, and how do you even do that? I need someone with a deep voice, I need someone with a high-pitched whiny voice. You know, Sarah definitely doesn't have a high pitched no, voice. No, there's no whininess. No, no, she's no whiny, but but like that's in, that's kind of an interesting thought process to go through. I like the idea of an audio book. Do you think do you think there'd be interest in an audio? Oh book? God, yes! Oh my gosh, because so many people I know like they're always saying, "Oh, is the audio book out yet?" And I'm like, "No," and they're like, "Oh." <laughs> like, Ooh, no, that—that's your answer. <laughs> that's it. Like, it wouldn't be that difficult. That I don't think to do it. I'd love to read. You, it you have to get good, uh, you know, people, and um, yeah, you can do it. You, yeah. I mean, there's all kinds, and but I just want to—it's just interesting to me, like how how do you choose the the audio, the reader, yeah, yeah, the the voice, yeah. you know, you can do it. Yeah, well, I mean, the the. Choosing various aspects of the book was was a real challenge. I think I, I think I said a few moments ago that when you sit there looking at a blank piece of paper, trying to figure out how you set a particular scene, you know, everything from what are people wearing? Is it night? Is it daytime? Yeah. Is it cold? Is it is it warm? Um, you know, how fast do things go? Is there dialogue? Isn't there dialogue? It's just it is such an extraordinary sort of infinite array of of 
possibilities and, and combinations. Figuring out how you tell the story is is a real challenge. And getting it right for the setting. Yeah. You know what I mean? Did they, you know, they may have a bomber, but did they have this at this time? Do you have cell phones at that time? Do you have, you know, all 100%. of that? Being, yeah, it has to be historically it has to be historically accurate, also geographically and mm -hmm. realistically and so forth. It has to actually be what a, a Ugandan jungle looks like or what the Sahara Desert or the Zurich cityscape looks like. Um, it's like going to a, a massive grocery store and putting the right ingredients together. A hundred percent. It's like a recipe only. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's hard. And then once you've done it, it's like, wow, this is really hard. This is a pain in the butt, but I want to do it. <laughs> and then next thing you know, like, okay, I've done it. Now I'm going to have to do it again, right? It's it's kind of that, right? It's like once you've kind of done the first one, you better go all the way in. <laughs> and, and of course, once you're done, what does it mean to be done? Once you're done with the first draft, in, in a sense, your work has only begun. Right, that's what then you yeah. have to start editing it and mm -hmm. and it changes in the editorial process as as well i still think though that the hardest step the hardest step is actually when you when you sit down to to begin writing the first chapter to turn it from an outline where you know the basic plot you know the characters turn it to an outline where from an outline to to actual text what the what the first chapter is going to actually read as and that yeah. making yourself do that is just super challenging yeah and then did you read the book like did you have to walk away from it to read it from the Absolutely. beginning yeah you yeah. know and not be too close to it like you have yeah, to exactly you have to i always and i do this with my legal writing too i yeah, i always pretend someone else wrote it the matter you know uh -huh. i'm not invested in this if there's something wrong here that can be corrected or improved, it, it's not me that I'm correcting. This is this is it's almost like someone else wrote it, and I'm trying to make it better. Um, yeah, it, it's not always an easy task. Sometimes when you sacrifice a couple chapters, saying, well, they just "Oh, you cut the babies," <laughs> yeah, exactly. You feel like you're uh, disowning your kittens or something. It's hard. It's hard when on any art form to cut the babies. But you know you have to do it. It's like it's like cutting your ear off, you know. Maybe, but no, then they absolutely. said Van Gogh didn't do it. Yeah. So you know, <laughs> so it's, but that's a, it's a it's an interesting thing going back and reading your own work for proofreading and going through that. We read we read in uh, different accents because then it's no. like a, that is just, so true, and it's astonishing how long some glitches can persist, notwithstanding having reread it. You know, literally dozens of times. It's not grammar per se. Is like, did your character turn into a man, or <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Did you have someone going down this way of the street and suddenly you swapped it over by accident? You know what I mean? Like yeah, no, which exactly. direction? It's little things like that that can just ruin a whole book. Yeah. You know, what actually, I mean? my my publisher had an editor who. You know, I was a little bit astonished. I'm, I think everybody's probably, every author is probably skeptical about having some editor come in and look at what they do. I, I certainly was, but she did a, a, a brilliant job and she she caught a number of things that notwithstanding my dozens of, of rereads um, with a little bit of distance, um, I hadn't I hadn't caught um, yeah. and it made it a better work. For, I think editors are invaluable. Yeah, they I'm, are. I'm told. <laughs> I, you know, when, when, um, you know, the first beginning of self-publishing came out, you know, beyond the vanity press. Yeah. We'd get all these requests and you start to read a book. And I remember a friend of ours, we take it, we, we lived in Mexico for a while. We 
bringing books down and say, okay, what do you think? What do you think? And I remember him going, okay, here's my stack of books. And he's very well-read man, very global, everything, you know, uh, USC, you know, graduated everything. And he's just, he goes, this book. And he would just throw it across the room. <laughs> Ouch. Yeah, towards the fireplace. He goes, it, it, and I won't repeat anything he said, but it was about like people not, you, you want to publish something. You want the world to see this craft and this, all this work you've done. If you don't have that step of an editor, you've lost all this work you've done. And you're also annoying the people who purchased and sp said, okay, we're going to invest time in your book. So I think it's really good about editing, yeah. honestly. You know? I mean, it's also, I mean, the, the, the unfortunate part as well is some of those books might actually have a really good story underneath the mistake yes. and a good yeah. editor that can, can bring out, um, bring out that story, make sure the mistakes don't distract from it, um, make suggestions about what could be done, um, can, can allow something to, to really be a, a positive thing, a success. Exactly. But if you just do it on your own, you might, you might flounder about. But this goes back to where we started. It's all about relationships. Indeed, indeed. See, relationships with the publisher, with yep. and also relationships. This is important. Relationships with your characters. I think my oh, relationship yeah, yeah. with Sarah, um, but also some of the other characters. You in a this sounds strange as well, but you really do form relationships with those those characters. You have to understand them as people, just like you have to understand the real people in your life. Um, you have to understand the characters in in your book and. And, you know, I literally fell in love with Sarah. So, like, when you go out and have a cup of coffee, you go, hey, Sarah, would you like this coffee? She goes, no, I don't, I don't, I <laughs> yeah, don't drink this. More, more drastic stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. More drastic things than that. Well, you've yeah. got to have her, her, you know, the persona, the character, like what she likes, what she doesn't like. and hundred you know. percent. Yeah, really. Oh, very cool. What's well, a cool... It, you know, it makes life rich doing these kinds of things, you know, writing and um, and then being able to read them. I mean, if we didn't have books, where would we be? Oh, my gosh. I heard some public figure, I forget exactly who, just in the last last month or two, say he never read a book. And I was, I felt so sad. Oh, I kind of feel, that. I have a funny feeling I know who that is, but I won't <laughs> yeah, go there. You, you might well, you <laughs> might well. But, but I think that's such a, I, such a tragic commentary that... You never read a book. It's like I don't know. Like I never knew a person, or I never heard a song. Um, oh, don't don't do that to the music too. No. That's really <laughs> bad. Like you can't take the music away. No, no, no. no. <laughs> uh, it's been a pleasure having you on the show, and I'm uh, very excited for your release again. Everyone, the file by Gary Bourne out through Histra Books, March twenty eighth, two thousand twenty three. Appreciate you having you having you on the show and. Everyone keep up with us at BigBlendRadio.com. And everyone can go get it at all the big bookstores, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, all of that, right? And go right. get it there. And ask thanks, your bookstore so to carry it. Yeah. Thanks so much, Lisa. It's been a real pleasure chatting with you. And, and thanks so much for the comments. Thank you.